right, good morning. God bless you for being here today. We're glad to see you. Wasn't the worship and praise awesome today? We just thank God for our worship team. Thank God for you. Amen. Go ahead, bless them. They, they, they deserve it. Amen. Thank Pastor Johanna for doing such a wonderful job last Sunday in our absence. And uh, we was away with our family for a few days. We, she didn't she do awesome on preaching on the Holy Spirit last week. And she got in a little preaching a while ago, so that was great. That's what me and Crawford were talking about. She just should have went for it, man. Um, Matthew 12, verses 38 and 39 is where we'll launch from. Uh, it's just been on my heart for a few days to talk to you about the redemptive nature of God, the redemptive nature of God. I want to say to you that everything that God does in our lives has a redemptive purpose in it. And if you, if you understand that, it will help you to sometimes navigate through things that you just don't understand. You don't understand what's going on. It's not working out the way you want it to. God's not following your script that you've written for him. Amen. And here in Matthew 12 and 38, it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. You can be seated. In this chapter, I want you to understand two things so maybe you can really hang with the context of what Jesus is, is dealing with here with these scribes and Pharisees. Now, of course, that's, these are the most religious people outwardly on the planet. And in this very chapter, they have already witnessed him healing a man with a withered hand. And they've already witnessed him healing a man that was, it says, he was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. And Jesus healed him, delivered him of the demonization. He was able to both see, the Bible says, and to speak. How many say that's pretty miraculous? Uh, I love Mark's account in Mark chapter 3. We won't go there, but his account of the man with the withered hand. Uh, Jesus was in the synagogue. He was teaching. They knew this man was, was there, according to Matthew's version, but Mark doesn't really mention that. It just says they watched him closely. And what Jesus does there is he does what some people say that folks are not supposed to do. He called him out of the service. In other words, the man is sitting in there because he so desperately wanted to be in the service with Jesus. Now, under the old rules of the, the synagogue, if you, had, if you were blind, if you were lame, if you had any kind of physical problem, you were not allowed into the synagogue. You could not come in uh, and be part of the service. Isn't that a great rule? And yet this man, uh, and, and of course if they found out that you had somehow got past the security team and you made it in, you would be immediately uh, thrown out of the synagogue. And so this man had a withered hand and he apparently hid it uh, and he came on into the to the service. While he's there, Jesus recognizes him being there by the Spirit, and he tells him to step forward. Uh, Mark Mark three 
the account of it, Mark says that Jesus said, step forward. He told the man to step forward. And then Jesus asked him a question. He said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? Now, it was the Sabbath that Jesus was doing this. Now, according to the Pharisees, you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. You couldn't do anything other than go to the synagogue. So Jesus said, is it lawful to do good or do evil? He says, is it lawful is, is to, to, he, to give life or to take to kill? And it says that he looked, he looked around at them. They, the Bible says that they kept silent. Nobody said anything. Probably a smart move on their part, right? And it says, look, and I love what Mark says. It says, Jesus looked upon them with anger. You can still get people healed while you're angry. Yeah. It says Jesus looked upon them with anger and because of their unbelief. He said because of the, he was grieved with the hardness of their hearts. And then he says to the man that he had done told to step forward. Now here's this guy standing there. Now he knows he's been caught. In other words, he's, he, he's been called out. He's been put on, if you will, public display. And then Jesus, he's still there. I just picture this scene with this man still with his hand hid so nobody can see it. And Jesus tells him, he says, stretch forth your hand. So he stops hiding what was wrong. There's a sermon. He stops trying to hide from God what's withering away in his life. If your marriage is withering away, stop trying to hide that. Whatever's withering away and dying slowly, stop hiding it. He pulls, it, pulls his hand out, and Jesus says, stretch it forth. And the Bible says he was immediately healed, and that hand was as whole as the other one. Now, they didn't like it. It said they, they departed from the synagogue, and they began to plot to how to destroy him. It says destroy him. They're not trying to hurt him. They're wanting to kill him. They're pretty angry about this. Now, now I, what I want you to not miss with this is how can they react like that? No compassion. I mean, how, how can they react like that? See, and so, and so now that you know that those things have occurred, then you get down to the point where they're saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now, you've already seen two great miracles already. How many do you need to see? And Jesus, that's why he said an evil and adulterous generation, he was talking about them. And he says no sign's going to be given to you. Now listen to me. We don't have the right to demand demonstrations of power from God for our own entertainment. And there's a lot of people, they get in positions and they get in tough places and they get in hurtful places. And most of the time it's by their own choices, but then they get into those places and they almost demand that God do something to prove that he's God. Or that God does something and demonstrates some great sign to them that, that either God's real or his power's real. or, or You know, that we don't have the right to do that. To, to, to demand that God demonstrate something for us. And this is exactly what these Pharisees wanted. They wanted God to demonstrate his power simply for their own entertainment. Uh, they'd already seen two great miracles. So, listen... Why did they miss those healings as signs? I mean, how in the world could they see 
two different people. I'm talking about one guy's kind of really got it bad. He's, he's demon-possessed. That'd be bad enough. But he's demon-possessed, he's blind physically, and he's a mute and can't speak. That's the trifecta, man. And Jesus totally heals this guy. Totally heals this guy. And, 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 they, and, and, and they're still asking for a sign. And they missed those miracles as signs of God. Now, how could they do that? Listen, because those works were redemptive demonstrations of God's power toward people. That's why they missed it. Though everything that God does, please tell me, is redemptive. And, and they, they missed that point. They, they missed the, the point of what I, this whole message to you today. This is just the one big idea that's on my heart for you. Is that whatever it's going to, if, it, if God's behind it, there's going to be redemptive purposes in it. And, and, and Jesus never demonstrated his power for attention. He never demonstrated the power to prove that he was who he said he was. He never, he never responded to that taunting and that challenges that they was constantly throwing out at him to, for him to perform like some performer for their enjoyment. He, he never did that. He always demonstrated power for one purpose, and that was to restore broken humanity, to heal the sick. It actually says that Jesus was man, he, that he was manifested, the Son of God was manifested, that he, in other words, he was displayed so that he might destroy the works of the devil. The scribes and Pharisees, they wanted signs in the heavens and in the earth, and, and, and they wanted all these signs that they could point to, but they didn't want anything redemptive. I, I remember some years ago a person telling me that they had actually been in a coffee shop somewhere, and there was a guy in there that that people were gathered around and and uh, they were watching this guy and he was moving a spoon with his mind and and they were all people were just amazed by that. They'd gathered around this guy, well, you know, through his he was demonstrating his occultic power to move a spoon around on the table ever so slightly, but it, you know it. They said it did move. And I'm, wow. What do you think about that? So, well, not too much. <clears throat> you give me a bowl of bluebell ice cream and I'll give me a spoon, I'll, I'll show you how to move a spoon. <laughs> I can move it a lot further than he can. But you see how silly that is? But that's always a sign of the occultic or the wrong kingdom. Because it always draws attention to the person. That's not God. God doesn't do that. If God's demonstrating power, it's for the sole purpose of redemption. And he is, he is healing, he is delivering, he is touching the person that is the target of that redemptive power. And, and that's an, this an easy way to, to always keep that in mind. And, 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 and never be impressed by works of darkness it, it, of any kind, faked or real. Just don't ever be impressed by anything that the devil does. You know, the church world that I grew up in had a too small of a God and too, more, too powerful of a devil. 
And as a little kid growing up in church, I always saw God and the devil almost equal in power. Maybe God slightly, you know, had the edge on him a little bit, but duking it out always. That's nothing could be further from the truth. Um, how could the Pharisees see a blind man healed and it not touch their hearts and not move them? This is it. Because they thought in their thinking that the blind man got what he deserved. In other words, they, they thought according to Deuteronomy 28, the curses and all, that this man was blind because of his sin and that he was getting his just desert. In other words, he was getting what he deserved. And I want to tell you right there is one reason that a lot of people don't like grace preachers. Because we don't beat the hell out of you. And when somebody does you wrong, they, they still get grace just like you. And people don't like that. People want people to pay. They want to put them on display. They want to punish them. They want to be in control because sin terrifies them. And they think that the way you got to deal with sin is you control it. You can't control it. The church that I grew up in was terrified of sin. That's why they preached about it all the time. You can tell what scares a person, just listen to them talk. That, that'd be like a, a rancher or a cattle, cattleman, you know what I mean, being afraid of cow poop. You, you don't think he knew the cows were going to poop when he bought them? You don't think that he would occasionally, you know, maybe step in it, have to deal with it, maybe get something on him, but he wasn't going to be terrified by it. Sorry for that illustration, but these brilliant things just come to me when I'm up here. <laughs> hey, God's not scared of sin because he's already dealt with it. And he's not scared of your sin. And I'm not saying that God ever has thought that sin was not a, a big deal. Sin was such a huge deal that he came and became a man and died on the cross because of it. It's a huge deal. But God's dealt with it now. Jesus did take away the sin of the world, which, by the way, included yours and mine. And the ones you hadn't even done yet, too, by the way. He's already dealt with it. In Mark chapter 8, there's a story about uh, a blind man. And they, they bring this man to Jesus. And Jesus never healed two people the same way because no two people are the same. We're all different, and God's going to meet you at your point of need, and he's going to meet you in a way that you can respond in faith to him. God wasn't changing the, the methodology just to be, you know, watch me do it different this time. No, no. It, it was all gauged on the person that he was dealing with, that he was releasing redemptive power to that person. And it's really the person that they were. He, he knew what they needed. See, God knows what you need to believe in him. God, God knows what you need. And God's going to reach you at that point. And, and if, we're all different. We're, we're different people. There, there's no two of us ever alike. That's why Jesus didn't deal with people, even though they had the same problem, blind people. You'll never find two blind people that Jesus healed them in the same fashion. So listen, this blind man comes to Jesus, is brought to him. And Jesus, the Bible says, he took him by the hand and he led him out of the city. Sometimes you've got to get away from the people that are, are enforcing your problem. 
if you're not careful, they will, they will start calling you the blind man. They will name you Blind Bartimaeus. I want to promise you on his birth certificate, it, his mama didn't name him Blind Bartimaeus. But people called him blind. People will call you by what you do, not by who you are or your identity in Christ. Man, I'm doing some good preaching here. And, and so Jesus led him out of the city. Why is that in the Bible? He wants you to know sometimes you've got to get out from around the people that are keeping you down. He got him out from away from all that where everybody can't be hollering blind guy to him. And then it's, and he does something extremely unusual that a lot of people miss. It says that he spit in his eyes. Spit on his eyes. That's, and then he puts his hand on him, and, he, and he, he, he says to this man, how do you see now? Remember the story, he said, I see men as trees. And even Jesus says, let's pray again. If Jesus prayed twice, why are you worried about it? If Jesus prayed twice, I'm good for praying 20 times if I need to. You know, we're not earning anything with our prayer. But sometimes you're dealing with things you don't necessarily see. Apparently, obviously, that wasn't good enough because Jesus laid his hands on him again and healed him. And he said, how do you see now? He said, I see all men as, as they are. And that's good enough. That's how you're supposed to. <clears throat> why, why did Jesus spit in this guy's eyes? Because that guy needed to get spit in, spit upon. Now, if you don't understand the old law and the old covenant, that's very confusing. If, if, if you came here, if a person came to Grace Point Church, was blind, and I stepped down front and I spit in their face, spit on their eyes, oh, my God. Now, there probably wouldn't be as much said if the blind person after I spit on them was healed. But if we just spit and nothing, if they still, they just leave still blind with now spittle on their face, that's not going to be good. See, I'm okay with weird stuff, but they better be redemptive power after it. Because we're not going to be weird for the sake of weird because we're all a little weird. <laughs> You hear people say, they'll tell you about somebody, you know, they'll go, they're different. Well, she's different. Yeah, everybody's different. We're all different. You're just not, you, you think you're the norm and everybody else is weird. We look at you and go, you're weird, we're the norm. We're all weird, a little bit, and we're all different. That's why Jesus approached them according to what they needed. In the Old Covenant, when people were blind, the, the, the belief system of that day was that they're being cursed by God. They've sinned, and therefore they're getting what they deserve. There was no grace in this. So that's why that it was a normal cultural procedure to spit upon people that were headed to the gallows, that were headed to the cross. Remember how they spit on Jesus? They did that with everybody that was heading to the cross to be crucified. Because what these Jewish guys were saying was, we agree with God. You're cursed by God. Cursed is the man that hangeth upon the tree. You're cursed by God. We agree with God. It was like an amen. That's a weird amen, isn't it? Don't start that here. <laughs> 
but they would spit, and, and, and to them, that was, a, that was a godly thing. They're saying, you're cursed. God cursed you. We agree with God. You're cursed by God. You're getting what you deserve. Remember in the New Testament, the, the disciples even got, the, the disciples were influenced by this heresy stuff. And, and they saw a man that was sitting by the side of the road. It said he was blind. And they, they asked Jesus, they said, who, who sinned that this man was born blind? He was born blind. And they're, they're asking the question, okay, he was born blind. Who sinned, him or his mom and daddy? And, and the King James does, does a very poor job of, of translating this. Um, it, 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 Jesus actually says, neither in the King James, neither is the, is the word they translated, that Greek word, neither. But that word means no. The message translation does an awesome job of the original thought there. And it actually says something to this effect. It says, it says, it says neither, no, no one. You're asking the wrong question. There is no cause and effect here. Just seek to bring glory to God. That's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus says, no, you're not carrying me there. You're not going to get me into that trap trying to figure out why this problem has occurred. You, you know, you're not going to trap me like that because that's, 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 a, that's a bottomless pit. I remember, you know, I, I've, been, I, I've been healthy all my life, really. I'm, I've had very few problems. And years ago, you know, now, you know, probably four years ago now, go to the doctor, just not even to see the doctor, just to go you every six months, you know, where they'll re-up your uh, prescriptions and so forth. Got the PA just going to check you, hey, how you doing? And they, you know, they're going to do the thing, check your blood pressure and your temperature and listen to your heart. And so they said, we got a young lady from Emory doing her clinicals, you know, in our office. Do you mind if she, you know, uh, does your workup? I said, I don't, I don't care. So she's just a listening and listening and listening. And I'm thinking, man, she's, she's making it, you know, work for her. She's getting banged for the money, you know what I'm saying? I mean, she just spent a lot of time in here, you know. And she just listened and kept listening and kept listening. And I said, well, maybe she's practicing, you know, I don't know. I'm sure it's a long time, you know. And she leaves out and doesn't say anything. And she comes back with the nurse practitioner that I knew. And she comes in and she listens. So I was a paramedic for 20 years, so now I know something's up. So she's listening. And she says, Mr. Young, you got a murmur. I said, I ain't got no murmur. She said, you do now. And so they go to listening, and they say, you got to come back next week and see the doctor, you know, see him. And so here, here we go, a whole process. And then, then they go to the cardiologist, and, oh, you got a murmur. And then, then the news just kept getting worse from there. And a year or so later, I ended up with open heart surgery in Atlanta. And what it was was my aortic valve, that high pressure valve, started failing me. And, and I remember sitting there, and, and all this stuff hits you, man. You're like, and, and it's kind of a normal human thing to think, why is this happening to me? Just kind of a normal thought, right? Why, why is this happening to me? I mean, what did I do? <laughs> Who dog did I kick? I mean, you know what I'm saying? But that has nothing to do with nothing. And I remember sitting there one day, and, and he, he's telling me I got to go to Emory. I got to have open heart surgery. 
you know, that's not something I wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, and I remember sitting there with this cardiologist, and I, and I said, well, how did how, this happen? How, how did I, you know, he, he said, he, he said uh, what good is that going to do? He's pretty bold. He said, it doesn't matter how you got the problem. The only thing we got to do is fix the problem. He says, there's no point wasting time trying to figure out, was it rheumatic fever as a kid? He said, it doesn't matter. He said, no matter what I say to you, any result is you got to go to Atlanta and you're going to have to get open heart surgery. And they're going to put you a new valve in. And I put it off and put it off and put it off and suffered needlessly for about a year and a half. Because I just said, I ain't going to go do it. And I remember the last episode I had, and I was in the ICU several times, and I kept that away from all of y'all mostly except for my elders and staff. I didn't tell you. Twice while I was up here preaching to you, I went into to atrial uh, fib with a rate running 170. One, one time it was 220. Now, Johanna immediately knew at that service when I went into it. And it would just hit me like that. And my life wasn't good because I never knew when it was going to hit me. And you know what? It never hit me at a good time. <laughs> and when it hit me, it wasn't something that went away in five minutes or even five hours. It was 10 to 12 hours. Swallowing the pills that they give trying to get that thing to convert back to a normal rhythm. And you would get fainty and want to pass out, and it wasn't fun. And a lot of people have problems in their life, and they can be physical, they can be a lot of things, emotional, spiritual, whatever, and you, you waste time trying to figure out why this happened to you. That, that's got nothing to do with what God wants to do. God wants to deliver you and heal you. And so they said, who, was, who sinned, this man, uh, that he was born blind? Well, who, who sinned here? Jesus said, that, that's not the point. You're not dragging me into that, that pit he said, seek to bring God glory out of this. How does God get glory when there's the healing that's manifested? And, 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 that's, and, and that's what you've got to focus on. I, I don't know what you're dealing with, but sometimes you get caught up and you get in that trap. Why did this happen? And, and if you're under that old law system, you're saying you're getting paid back for your sins. You're not getting paid back because God already paid for your sins. Again, I am never saying that sin does not come with onboard consequences, and they are, they're horrible. So I encourage you not to do sin because it hurts you and God loves you, and it hurts people that love you, and you can hurt other people by your sin. So I'm just, I'm just admonishing you. Beseech, don't do it, okay? Don't, don't do it. But, but, but everything that God has ever done has a redemptive purpose behind it. Uh, in, in the, in the, uh, th this man that he led out of town and spit in his eyes, I, I wonder how many times that guy had got spit on in his life where people would see him being blind. We, we, in other words, you're cursed by God. We agree with God. Can you imagine what a horrible existence that guy probably had if he ever did get to go to marketplace or care? You know, the more religious they are, the more spit they did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, 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 this guy lived his life under that. He, there's, I mean, knowing the culture of that day, there's no telling how many times that guy got spit upon by the religious people. 
So here's this rabbi now carrying him outside of the city, private now, no one seeing, nobody to help, you know, cheer him on while they're spitting. And, and listen, and isn't it just like God to use the very thing that the religious devils have used against you to prevent you from receiving what God wants you to have, and that's your healing. So here, specific to this man, it's the only one that Jesus did this to, to this specific to this man, Jesus actually spit upon his eyes and put his hand right behind that and healed him. Please don't miss the point of this. The last time that this man would ever get spit on, he received his healing. I don't know if you're tracking me here. God wouldn't, God wouldn't leave this man. In other words, all those times the enemy did this, and they did this, and they did this, and that hurt him, and it hurt him, and it hurt him. But Jesus said, I'm going to take that sting out of that right there, and, and, and you won't never, this won't hurt you no more because next time somebody spits, you're going to go, that's the day I got my healing, glory to God. That's the day the Lord delivered me right there. You know, and, it, and, and, and it's just like God to redeem what the enemy, they sung it the last song, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Isn't that good? Everything God's ever done is redemptive. But see, even I, I was out in the ocean, man, on vacation with my grandbabies, you know, my, my, my grandkids. Love all that. And we, we just out there, you know, standing around and, you know, working with the waves and stuff. And my little grandson, you know, now he's, he's going to be nine here in a couple of days. And he said, Poppy, and he, he started asking me questions, religious questions. Because his poppy's a preacher. And he said, uh, he started asking me about Adam and Eve and why God kicked them out of the garden and God got angry with them. And I said, no, God wasn't angry with them, son. And, and then he said, and so I, I began to tell him how good God was and everything God did was redemptive because it was kind of on my heart. And then he said, well, and he was like, okay, Okay, well, you, you okay, I'll kind of set back. But he said, but he, he got mad with them and told them that, that, you know, that they would, you know, be in pain like a woman's going to be in pain if she has a baby. Now, here he is, eight years, he's going to be nine a couple days, but he's, he knows all this, and he's telling me that she's going to be in pain. In other words, God did that to her. In other words, God's getting them, and that's why women have pain when they have a baby is because they sin in the garden, and God's getting them. I said, I don't know who told you that but that's not true. And I said, listen to me. I said, God didn't kick him out of the garden because he was mad. But you and I know that's what every one of us just about in this room grew up believing. Okay, they sinned, they rebelled, God kicked you out. Get out of my garden of paradise before I kill everybody. See, God told him in the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in that day you will die. What God did not say was, in the day that you eat of this tree, I will kill you. Big, big difference. Now, by some of these little tests, you can see if you are a redemptive-believing believer or are you a law-believing believer. If God has punished Jesus Christ who became sin, he can't punish you for the same sin because that would be punishing two different people for the same sin. And even my old court system in the United States of America won't let you charge two people with the same crime. you got to decide who you're going to punish. So I said, listen to me, baby. 
God didn't kick them out because he was angry. They rebelled against God, yes. They sinned, yes. But if you read your Bible, it says that God drove them out of the garden to keep the way to the garden. Lest they stay in the garden and eat of the tree of life and therefore stay in that perpetual state of fallenness. God said, I ain't going to let that happen. And because God is redemptive and God loves them, he drove them out of the garden and placed cherubims there, not to keep them out, but to keep the way for them to come back. And we know the tree of life is a person and his name's Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah, it, it hurts a woman now to give birth. Yeah, a man makes his living and a woman make by the sweat of their brow. And, and yeah, we got weeds and thorns and thistles now. But God didn't do any of that. That is the consequences of a decision that people made that was against what God wanted them to do. God didn't want them to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, right? Did he want them to eat of it or not? No, but, but they ate of it anyway. God's will is not always done on earth like it is in heaven. That's why he said to pray that way. The Psalm uh, 115 says that God, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave to the sons of men. The reason all the hell is going on on the earth is because we're in charge. And I don't have time to launch a whole other thing, get my book, whatever. That's the whole first chapter. God's not in control. And I'm not going to ever stop the church and the religious people from saying that he is, but he's not in control of the earth. He's in charge, but he's not in control. If God's in control, there'd be no rapes, there'd be no thuggings, there'd be no murders, there'd be none of that stuff going on. God's not in control. And I told you the example I give you to try to help us understand, the Valdosta Police Department is not in control of Valdosta either. They're not in control. They're in charge. They will respond. They care, but they're not in control. They're in control. There'd be no murders. There'd be no thefts. There'd be no rapes. There'd be no child molestation today, but they're not in control. God's not in control. God's in control of heaven. Okay? Ain't nobody sick in heaven. Nobody's got a terminal disease in heaven. Nobody's dying in heaven. And God said, you know what? I want it on earth like it is here. And I've always wanted it on earth like it is here. That's why he came. Okay? But they're going to keep blasting out over Facebook and they're going to always call people like me a heretic for even saying that. I remember I had this precious family uh, that was, uh, I started, so anyway, from, a, from a, about an hour away. And I remember the, some of the families coming. It was first the wife and then, the, then another person. And I had, you know, I ended up with a, with a lot of people from this particular town. And I remember one Sunday they convinced the dad to come. He's a few years younger than me. He come, and I was doing a series back then of which I hadn't even written my book at that time, but I, I, I talked for weeks on, you know, Miss Heard in Church. Miss, M-Y-T-H-S, Heard in Church. And, and that particular Sunday came, I was uh, uh, going after that one. You know, a, a great myth is that God is in control. And I remember as soon as I said the title, they, and they told me this later, this guy told me himself. And, um, but it, they were sitting in here, and I remember they were sitting over here, and, and his, his grown son was there sitting by his dad. And he'd been coming, you know, some, some uh, Sundays or months or whatever. And so they finally got dad to come. So dad comes. First thing I do is launch that God's not in control. He elbowed his son and said, I'm ready to leave. He said, I want to get out of here. He said, his God may not be in control, but mine is. <laughs> and he told his son, he said, let's leave. I don't want to hear this. You know, like I'm obviously a nut. I'm, he, I'm already, all he heard was the title. 
And he said, well, Daddy, we're already here. We're sitting in here. Let's just hear what he's got to say. He said, well, I'm telling you, my God's in control. What he's Anyway, so he just, he just, he was upset right from the title. But before the message was over, he agreed with everything I said. And he told me that to my face in his home. I remember that these people just started, you know, they started calling one of my staff pastors back then, and, and they wanted to meet with me, and I didn't know who these people were. And they wanted to meet with me, and, and then I found out it was going to be like 20 people or something wanted to meet with me in my office. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm not really comfortable with mobs. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, I want to meet with 20 people that I don't know that may want to argue. I don't want to do that. No, thank you. I have enough problems just when I don't need to add to it. And she called me back and said, Pastor, I've talked to the person. I don't think that's nowhere near the heart of the person. I said, well, I'll tell you this, I'm not sitting there by myself. So you get me an elder, you get me a staff person. And actually, I was having lunch with Pastor John Lewis that day, and I was telling him about the meeting that was coming that night, and I was kind of dreading it a little bit. And he said, well, I'll, can I come? I'll come sitting there with you. And I said, well, come on. I figured, out, you know, I got him backing me up too. So I had Pastor Martin and I had Pastor Lewis. And, and, and so anyway, we had to meet in the room. My office filled up with people. And I said, well, y'all called the meeting. Who wants to start? I never even seen, I don't even know these people. At that point, no, no, they weren't coming to church. They just, you know what, what? They'd been listening to me for months, for a long time, on podcast about grace. They said, nobody in our city preaches grace. And they said, we just want to talk to you. And this lady just burst out to crying. And, and, and one lady was on staff at a church, and she said she, would, she was on staff. So if you're on staff at a church, you know, you're kind of obligated to attend that church. Right? They, they expect you to, really. And they, she would come here sometimes on the morning, of course, service, and then she'd go to hers on Sunday night. And, and you know what her exact words? She said, I feel like, I, like a whiplash. She said, I come and I sit at Grace Point and I hear the grace of God and the love of God and, and then I go back to my church and, and then it's like I'm being threatened. It's like I'm being threatened. And, and, and she said, one of our pastor's favorite sayings is, don't make me have to roll you down front. And I said, what does that mean? She said, he's talking about in the casket. He's talking about in the casket. She said, that's one of his favorite sayings and he says it often, not just once a month, she says it he says it often. He says, then don't make me have to roll you down front. And so I said, he's always talking about that God's going to kill you, put you in a casket because you're sinning. She said, yeah. I'm like, why do you go to a church like that? I don't care if your grandmama is buried out back. Just go visit her, but find somewhere else where they're preaching the truth. And I don't mean that arrogantly like I'm the only one preaching the truth. I'm just saying I'm not going to sit under law no more. Law don't go around here, law dog. <laughs> it just don't go. Because that's not, we, we are no longer under the law, we're under grace. That's why sin don't have dominion over us anymore. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. If you're under the law, that's why sin's dominating your life. But if you're under grace, sin has no more dominion over you anymore. Why does it not have dominion? Because Jesus took it away. And see, that's why people struggle with grace because grace don't give people what they deserve. It gives people what Jesus deserved.
And Jesus took what we deserved, and that's called grace. It's more than mercy. It's the grace of God. God, God is moving in your life with redemptive purposes even when you don't understand it. I know I've talked about this before, but it's a great example. The woman in the Bible that she wanted to be healed so, wanted her daughter healed actually, that was demon possessed so bad, she heard Jesus coming this way, she gets into the, you know, the parade route, and she starts hollering out loudly, son of David, have mercy upon me. Remember, remember this lady? And, and this is what the Bible says, and I know a lot of you know this, but it says that he answered her not a word. Now, see, when you pray and Jesus don't answer you, that could really tick you off. Or you could misjudge that as he doesn't care, that he doesn't love, that he's not concerned about you. But everything I promise you that Jesus is doing or not doing has redemptive purpose. Please hear me. He answered her not a word. Now, one thing that most Christians miss, and I don't mean this arrogantly, I'm just saying they flat miss it because we have gotten so far removed from our Jewish roots that we, 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 miss, we, we, we mishandle everything just about with the New Testament because we, 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 we have been ripped from our Jewish roots. We don't understand. That's why the woman at the well is preached as a harlot. There ain't a one of you in here that's went to church for any period of time that have not heard a sermon about the woman at the well and what a promiscuous sexual whore she was. Don't talk to me now. Is that the truth? And, and I can't wait to see them preachers get to heaven and that woman comes up to them and says, now what's this you said about me? And the woman could not have been that. Because in the Bible, if you was an adulterous woman and they caught you in adultery, they stoned you to death. First offense. Remember John 8. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery. They brought her to Jesus and the law said they could stone her and they're standing there with rocks in their hands. Religious people are always standing with rocks in their, in their pockets. They're ready to go at a moment's notice. So they didn't have repeat offenders. Nobody's like, go down to her house, that's an adulterous woman. <laughs> no, one offense, you're dead. Okay, so, so she gets married. Second point, if we knew Jewish culture, is a woman never could divorce a man for no reason. No legal right, no right whatsoever. So a woman could not enter into a divorce. Only way a woman got divorced is if the man divorced her. Right or wrong? That, that's the truth if you don't know it. So this woman's been married five times. That means she's been what five times? Divorced. It also means she's been married five times which means she's fine looking. That means five different men want this woman. Right? All right, she's been divorced for the fifth time. No control of herself. She got divorced. Men said to her, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, I divorced thee. You gone, girl. That's called rejection. It's called being rejected. Now she's living with a person. The Bible does not say she's having sex with a person. That's just the way your nasty mind carried it. I don't know if you've ever heard people. There are people that can live together and not have sex together. Y'all don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. But it just said that Jesus said the woman, the man you're now living with, is not your husband. 
right? Is that what the Bible, let's just say what the Bible says for change. That's what it says. It don't say, it, it say none of that. Jesus never called her a promiscuous woman, never said she was an adulterous woman, never dealt with her by none of that. All that's just American culture, church, yicky yak. This woman, my heart breaks for her because that woman could not have a baby. And if we understand Jewish culture, we will know that had to be the reason. She can't get pregnant for whatever reason. And you know what? If she can't get pregnant, she's considered cursed by God. So apparently she was so fine, <laughs> they didn't want her anyway and thought maybe, you know, God would have mercy. Mm -mm, no baby. Okay, I got a divorce because I got to carry on my generations. I hate to. Love you, girl. I got to divorce you. Another man comes along and, you know, he, he marries her and, and, and so forth and so on. And, and now she's been married five times and she just can't give, you know, she just can't get pregnant. Can you imagine how that must have hurt that woman? You're being rejected by something that's not your control. You, you, you can't make yourself, you know what I'm saying? She can't have a baby and she's being rejected. You can't help what color your skin is. And people reject you because of it. I'm rejected because I'm white. Yeah, we all suffer rejection. You know, I'm a white preacher. I, won't, I, go, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm a black preacher. Well, I am black on the inside. <laughs> it hurts, man, when you're rejected by stuff that you can't control. I can't control. I is what I am is. I can't control this. And you get rejected by that hurts. Jesus comes to this woman. He's not trying to dime her out, man. He's not trying to. He, he just says, well, the person you live with now. He just let, he, listen, girl, I know everything about you and I love you. I, I know all your stuff and I love you. That, that's all that was. I, I know all your stuff. People don't understand. See, how you read the Bible, Zacharias, remember that guy, Elizabeth? And they gave birth to a baby named John who was the forerunner of Christ. Remember who I'm talking about? Luke 1, read it, check it out. This is how you know how you see things. Do you see things redemptively or do you see God punishing? So here he is. He's an old man. She's done through menopause. They ain't finna have no babies as far as medical science goes. It's, they're done. That, that case is closed. And, and, and I wonder how many prophecies they got prophesied when they were a young married couple. Yeah, you're going to have a baby. Glory to God. He's going to be a son. Hey. Prophesied. They got it on tape and they used to play it, but now their prophecy hadn't come to pass. And it just didn't turn out. And, and you know what? But a lot of people get mad with God and they quit church and they quit everything. But, but kudos man to Zachariah. He, he, he was in the ministry. He was a priest. And, and, and he didn't quit God. And, and he didn't get what he wanted. He wanted a little boy, but he didn't get it. And now he's an old man. And, and, and what he thought God was going to do for him in his life, it just didn't happen. But he still he hung in there. And he still goes to church. And he still praises God, and he still loves the Lord apparently because he's still, he's still ministering and he's still doing what he can do. And he's just having church as normal, and it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he's in there doing the incense and all what priests do, and the people are all outside, you know, ready to go to Shoney's when he gets through. And he's in there. And it actually said they marveled how long he lingered in the church. And they're like, hurry up, man. They're going to be got all the chicken. You mean, you know, he's in there. And it says, on the right side of the altar, an angel appears whose name is Gabriel. And Gabriel says to him, the prayer that, this is literally what it is in the Greek, the prayer that you no longer pray, that you used to pray, that prayer has been heard by God. That prayer was heard by God. The prayer that you used to pray, you remember that prayer? 
20 years ago that you prayed that you don't pray about no more? Remember that prayer? You, you deposited that into the bank account in heaven, and it's been drawing interest. It didn't mean God's not going to do it. It's just going to come to you, but it's going to have some interest when it comes to you. He said the prayer that you don't pray, that prayer was heard. When was it heard? The day you prayed it. See, God don't even care if you don't believe it no more. When you deposited the prayer, it was counted good when it went into the bank. You know what I'm saying? Just because you don't believe in it no more don't mean that God don't believe in it because God believes in himself and God believes in you. Woo! He said, that prayer, you remember that prayer? That prayer was heard. And he said, I'm coming to tell you, you're going to have a baby. Zacharias, really, man, he's like, listen, man, I can't take no more of this. Ain't no way I can go to the house, tell my wife that's done gone through menopause, we're going to have a baby because she's going to think I'm crazy. There ain't no way I can do this. You, you gonna, I can't do this no more. I can't do the prophecy stuff no more. How do I know, I'm paraphrasing what he said, how do I know you're not lying to me? And it's almost like Gabriel kind of bows a little bit. Gabriel talking about, because I stand before God. That's what was his answer. He, that's what he says in the Bible. He said, for I am Gabriel and I stand before God. He went a little mafia on him, you know. <laughs> and he said, because you did not, listen, because you did not believe the word of the Lord that I delivered to you, from this day forth thou shalt be mute, not be able to speak. If you ever read that verse and said God was punishing him for his unbelief, you are a law person. And can I say in love, that includes me and every one of us. That's how I read the verse. God's getting him. Oh, yeah, you should have believed, man. God, God whooping you now. God's punishing you. So he took away your ability to talk, and that'll show you. See, that's not the God that you and I serve. Not at all. Because in that, there would be no redemptive purpose. But what God did is God actually believes what he wrote, and there is life and death in the power of your mouth, of your tongue. And God says, I know your heart is filled with unbelief, and you don't believe a word that's been said. I even sent Gabriel in person. That is the, one of the archangels. I only got three of them, and I sent one of them to you, and you don't believe him. And I'm not mad with you. I understand you've been through some stuff. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a redemptive power here, and I'm going to take away your ability to speak death and speak unbelief and to speak doubt for nine months because I'm not going to listen to it and it would have an effect upon what that son that's in your, 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 your wife's womb is going to be there. So I'm just going to take away your ability to defeat me here and destroy it with your unbelief and once the baby gets here then I'll loose your tongue and you can go to praising me. How about that? That's what, that's what God did. That's all God did. It's redemptive. Now listen. Back to the woman with the, with the, with the daughter demons. Son of David, she cries out, have mercy. And the Bible goes to great lengths to tell us that this woman, and it gives us her, her pedigree. It says she is a Syrophoenician woman. Now, a lot of people just read over that. What does that mean? It means she's not Jewish. That's significant. It means she is a Gentile. It means that Jesus ain't fooling with the Gentiles at this point. Paul and them guys are going to open it up for the Gentiles down at Cornelius' house in Acts 10. But right now, we're focusing on the Jewish people. So that's why Jesus answered her not a word. And what is this woman saying to Jesus and screaming out loud? Remember what she said? Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of who? 
Is David Jewish? Was David the king of Israel? So she is evoking her heritage. And she is literally lying, saying, I'm a Jew. Heal my daughter. I'm a religious Jew. How about healing my daughter? Son of David, have mercy. That's like saying, I'm Baptist, Southern Baptist. Heal my daughter. I'm Church of God. Heal my daughter. I'm Catholic. Heal my daughter. I'm Presbyterian. Heal my daughter. God ain't responding to none of that. Because that's religion. He answered her not a word. The disciple said, send this woman away. She's bothering us. She comes to Jesus. She says, heal my daughter. Jesus said, it's not right for me. Now, she's listening. It's not right for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. You can't make that look pretty. He done called her a dog. Now, all those people in that culture knew that if you're called a dog, that means you're not Jewish. You're a Gentile. You're a dog. When it comes to God, you're a dog. You, you got no rights to none of this. You're outside the commonwealth of Israel. You're not in the covenant. God didn't make a covenant with you. Abraham's not your father. Get out of our face. You're getting what you deserve. You're a dog. You're a Gentile. Get away. Jesus says, it's not right for me to give the children's bread. They're, they're my children. It's not right for me to give you their bread when you're a dog. Now, most people couldn't take that. They'd have got mad, throw their Bible down, and left church. Well, Jesus, that woman replies with faith. Yea, Lord, you have said rightly. In other words, in other words I'm busted. You got me. You, you caught me. I'm not a child of David. And I shouldn't have been praying the Davidic prayer. Sorry, you got me. I'm busted. But I'm desperate, man. I just want my daughter healed, and I thought that's how you got to get it done. But even the dogs, don't they eat crumbs that fall from the table? Jesus said, woman, great is thy faith. You know where her faith was? She dropped that pretense of religion. Her faith was no longer in Jewish culture. Her faith was no longer in David. Her faith was no longer in religion. Her faith now had been placed squarely upon that man that she was looking at right there and the goodness of his heart. Her faith was totally in the goodness of that person's eyes that beheld her. And now she looks at him, and Jesus looks at her, and she knows I don't have to pretend. I don't have to be religious. I don't have to throw my Jewish card. I don't have to say the son of David prayer. I don't have to do any of that. I just throw all of my faith in this man's goodness. Heal my daughter. He said, go your way. Your faith has made her whole. Listen. Now, if you didn't know that God's redemptive and you watched that play-by-play -play unfold, you would think God was a mean, uncaring, hard God. But God loves you. And there's things going on sometime in your life where it seemingly he answers you not a word. And there's times that when he does say something, it doesn't seem like that it's the thing you wanted to hear. But I promise you, if God is there, everything has a redemptive purpose and a redemptive value. And God's bringing you to one end, not religion, not based on anything, who you are, what you've done, but based on the goodness of him. God's not good because he tries. God's good because he is. And, and, and all God's asking you to do is put faith in the person Jesus. 
Now, this is what I want to say to you. I want you to stand. And I've got just a few minutes. And I do want to pray for you today. And I want to pray for you along with my elders if you're sick. Elders, please come stand here. Now, now listen to me. Don't, don't, don't get off track here. Don't, don't miss nothing. And, and, and please don't leave yet. Listen. It's not even 12 yet, so we're good. Listen. I already told you about the man with the withered hand, and, and there's times that God will do that, and he, he, he's done that in my ministry and in my life, and he's had me to be impressed upon by just your face of people, and I've done that for 30 years now or more. And there are times where God prompts me to pray for you, and God just says, pray for that person, and I'll gently ask them, could I pray for them, and I'll, I'll ask them to step forward, just what Jesus did. And there's times that sometimes when they do that, God uh, reveals to me prophetically what's going on. And, and I'm so grateful for that. And I know it has nothing to do with how good I lived or how much I prayed. It's just it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're called gifts because we, we don't earn them and we don't deserve them. But there's also like a woman in the Bible that had an issue of blood. She had con uncontrolled menstrual bleeding that never stopped for 12 years. What, what a horrible predicament. This woman didn't wait for God to call her out. She didn't wait for God to initiate something. She didn't wait for God to, to do something. She just decided that she was going to do something about her problem. And so she left where she was and she came to Jesus. And she touched the hem of his garment, remember? And virtue, power, went out of Jesus into her. And it says, and the Bible does not exaggerate and it does not lie. It says Jesus did not know who had touched him. Now, if you're under that religious guise that says Jesus knows everything about everything, then you would be wrong because Jesus did not. If Jesus knows everything about everything when he walked the earth, then he cannot be mine and your example because you don't know everything. Jesus knew what the Holy Spirit revealed to him, just like you do. In fact, Jesus was asked, what will be the, when will be the end of the world? Jesus said, I don't know. Was he lying? He said, I do not know. Only, he said, I don't know it. Not, the angels don't know it. Only my Father knows it. Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got weak in his physical flesh. Jesus had to sit down and get a drink of water at the well. He was thirsty. I mean, Jesus was a human. He wasn't, he wasn't God pretending to be a man. He was the God-man. And Jesus laid aside all that divinity power, and he made himself subject just to the Holy Spirit that infilled him. And up until Jesus was 30 years old, he couldn't do anything about anything he saw. He couldn't heal the sick. He couldn't raise the dead. He couldn't even save his own daddy that died. If, if Jesus had power to raise the dead, why didn't he raise his own daddy when he died? Some, some, sometime Joseph, I'm talking about from 12 years of age to 30, somewhere in that time parameter, Joseph, Jesus' dad, earthly, died. If you got power to raise the dead, you're going to raise that guy. He couldn't do nothing about it. Why? Because he didn't have the Holy Spirit in him then. As far as empowered, when he got it to baptism, Holy Spirit came upon him for ministry. And you need to understand the humanity of Jesus. Because if, if Jesus did what he did because he's God, if he raised the dead because he was God, if he walked on water because he was God, then all we can do is applaud. But if Jesus did what he did because he was a man full of the Holy Spirit, then we can say, I want to do what he did. I want to be Christ-like. I want to do the same, the works that he did and greater shall we do because he's gone to the Father, Right? So this is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm asking you this. Some of you are standing in here today and you need a physical healing. I'm asking you to be like the woman with the issue of blood. Don't wait for me to call you out. 
You, you initiate God. In other words, that woman initiated a, a touch from God, and Jesus didn't even know that she touched him. It, it, it wasn't in his day planner. It was her faith that reached out and touched God. Right? Mary Lee, wave your hand, darling. So Y'all see Mary Lee back there? It's okay. You can stare at her. She don't care. Do it again, Mary Lee. That's Mary Lee Barnes. I know you know the story real fast. When I first came to this church, one night, never had met her, didn't know nothing about her. She, was, she, she came down front with a walker and to receive prayer. I didn't know. I had just given a testimony about a lady in Enigma, Georgia, that had came to one of my services, and she had came down front with a walker, and God totally healed her that night of bone, degenerative bone disease. And, and that lady, it, it's, that's, a, that's a long testimony. But I had told that testimony. Mary Lee came down, and so my natural brain would think this is a similar case, but I know better now because I'm a little older to assume anything. So I stepped down in front of Mary Lee, and they were already other women gathered around. Am I telling the truth, Mary Lee? And, and I said, uh, to God, God, what's, what is it? What is it, Papa? What is it in my heart? What is it? And I heard God say, uh, abdomen. And I said, uh, sister, I said, look at me. She, I remember you had your head down on the walker. And what I didn't know, she was running a high fever. What was it, Mary Lee? 102 plus? She had a fever, running a high fever, and she was feeling not well. That makes you not feel well. So she had her head down. I asked her to raise her head and look at me. And, and, and I, when I said, Papa, what is it? God said, Admin. I said, you're not here because of joints and bones and hips and knees. And, and, and she just did her little head. I said, God says, what's wrong with you? It's in your abdomen. Am I telling the truth? As soon as I said it's in your abdomen, I heard a voice in my ear say, colon. I said, in fact, it's in your colon. Now, I'm doing this by faith. I'm doing it by faith. I said, it's in your colon. And then she nodded, and I laid hands on her, and we declared healing. What I did not know is Sister Mary Lee at that point had a tumor in her colon, cancer. So large that at that point they couldn't operate on it, and they were giving her treatments to try to shrink it so they could get it small enough that they could do the surgery safely and take it out. After the service, Pastor Johanna, who did the announcements, they stopped by said, Pastor, uh, I want you to meet the lady you prayed for. And she said, this is Mary Lee Barnes, and she's a member of our church, and I know you don't know her. And she said that she had this real high fever tonight, and as soon as you touched her, the fever immediately left her. Is that the truth? And she's feeling better now. And then she told me, she said, and then she said, and she's also, you prayed for her colon, and she's got cancer in her colon. And I remember I heard the C word. I didn't say, were you healed, sister? Glory to God. Because I've prayed for people that had cancer. Not everybody that's sad to say is every person has ever been healed. I, I, I just did what God said. He didn't tell me what it was. He just said it was in her colon. I didn't know. She went home a few days later, went to the hospital, run, run another test. They said, your colon is completely clean. There is no cancer. You're totally healed. Is that the truth? <laughs> you got to understand the power of God. And here at Mary Lee, it's just been a few months, precious husband went to be with the Lord. And there she sits, hands going up, praising God. Everything don't work out always like we think or want, desire, and yet God. Now, 
you want prayer today and there's something going on in your body, and I know now it's 12.04, but that's not late. That's not late. I want you to come. I want you to be like the woman, and, and it's for men too. I want you to step out from where you are if you want prayer. And if you want, I want to pray first for people that need a physical healing in your body. I want you to come down front and stand in front of one of these elders or stand right here wherever you want to stand. I don't care. Come on. Quickly, the Baptist will get out of chicken if we don't hurry up. You know I'm being silly, right? I figured if Jesus could be angry when he, right before he healed a guy, we can be, we can laugh, okay? My goodness, look at the people. Now, are all you guys coming for physical healing? Is that, is that right? Everybody needs a physical healing in your body. Now, let, can I say this to you? Because, see, we get so accustomed in church that how we do things or how we've seen it done or, or stuff. And Pastor Johanna was admonishing us with those very words, you know, that God's not going to maybe do it like you think. Remember? You remember her saying that? Now, the woman with the issue of blood, she, she initiated it. God didn't tell her. I mean, she just, she just said, i got to have a healing. So she went and, and found. This is kind of what you're doing. You're just saying, I'm initiating this. That man didn't call me out. He didn't give me some great prophecy. He didn't tell me the secrets of my heart. So you don't have all that to ride upon. And, and, and why does God do that? Because it, because what it does is puts you in a position of faith. Because you go, well, that guy ain't no way he knew that, so this has got to be God. And so you put faith in God, and then you receive what grace has freely provided, and that's your healing. That's why gifts work, and I'm for that. But what I'm asking you this Sunday morning here, I'm not going to lay my hands on you because it's not my touch. And I believe in laying on of hands. We believe in that, and we do that all the time. So I'm not diminishing or marginalizing the laying on of hands. I believe in it. Bible says we'd lay hands on the sick and they were recovered, okay? But what I'm asking you to do, I'm asking you to be like the woman. I'm asking you to touch God. And, and you don't have to stand on your tippy toes. You don't have to impress God because there's nothing you do to impress God. You don't have to do anything. All I'm asking you to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ and his goodness. And I'm asking you through that faith, whether you feel something or not, if you feel something, that's great. If you don't feel something, it's still great because you're not saved by feeling, you're saved by faith. I suffered for many years with one of my ankles, uh, all kind of problems, too long to tell you. Uh, and and, and was, there was a guy that said we're supposed to pray for pastor tonight and set me in a chair. And everybody was in the church on that Friday night, came by and touched my feet, and they prayed for me. And I was hurting so bad when they got through, I couldn't hardly sit there. And I hurt for three more weeks every day of my life. And I went home and I debated whether to take the medicine or not take the medicine. Do I take the steroids? Do I don't take the steroids? If I take the medicine, will that make God not heal me or not? Will that disappoint the Lord? Do I put on the foot cast every night to try to sleep to keep my foot? Or if I put on the foot cast, does that make me not have faith? And will God get mad and not heal me then? What do I do? All that is religious bull. Ain't no pill can stop God. And God ain't going to be mad with you no matter how many foot casts you put on. So if it makes you feel better, take your pill, take your pill, and just give God praise. If you want to step out and say, well, that's faith, I'm not going to take a pill. Well, step out in faith, don't brag about it because that's religious, and just receive healing anyway. It don't matter, y'all. Stop all that mess. You don't have to say, son of David, son of David. Look at there, I, took, I quit taking my medicine. Look, what my, look at how great my faith. No, that's not faith. Are y'all getting this? It's just God. By his stripes, you were healed. Not by your prayer. 
Not by your fasting. Not by your crying. Not by the seriousness of your dilemma. Not by your checkbook. Not, it's just by stripes. Has Jesus received stripes? Is that in the past? Therefore, your healing has done been paid for. That's all you're doing. I was sitting there today, and my youngest son, I love him. I love all my kids. And people that really, I mean, he, he, I, I just, he, he really needs a miracle. I said, during the praise, I said, Lord, let me, I want to pick his up for him, please. His miracle, I'd like to pick up his miracle on his behalf because I ain't sure right now he's got the strength to pick it up. I'm gonna, I'd just like to pick it up for him. And just, I just want to pick it up for you. Yeah, I know you don't understand that. We was out of town. Vacation, Jeannie came down a few days later. And my wife, they called from the drugstore here and said they had her medicine ready. My wife called her sister and said, would you go by and pick that up for me? She said, yeah. So they, they gave her her medicine. She brought it to the beach and delivered it. Sometimes you can just, through faith, just pick up something for somebody else that you love. Because Jesus has already paid for it. Just pull up to the window and say, I'm here in Jesus' name to pick this up for my brother or pick this up for my kids that's bound or pick this up. Just All God's wanting is to have faith in him. That's it. Well, however that looks, just faith in him. So I'm asking you whatever you need to do. If you need to close your eyes, close them. If you need to open them, open them. I don't care. I'm just asking you, and I'm telling you I'm doing this by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, this whole deal today. I'm telling you. God so desires for you to receive what grace has freely provided, and that's your healing. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as they reach their faith towards you, to touch you, because you've already touched them. Father, in Jesus' name, let them receive their healing right now. Let them receive their healing. Whose report will you believe? Father, we choose to believe the report of the Lord. What's your report? By his stripes, ye were healed. And just, Father, we claim our healing because we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, but you've already paid for it. We receive by faith what grace has freely provided. We receive our healing right now. Just say that to him. I receive my healing by faith. I put my faith in your goodness, not in religion, not in anything I've done or haven't done. My sins are not an issue. My sins, my record, my past cannot block me from receiving what grace is freely provided. I receive it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Now, just thank him for it. See, that's why you, amen, just thank him for it. I'm telling you, don't you ever listen to that voice that says, well, you've not been a good person. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. You haven't went to church enough. You've committed these sins. Therefore, you're not going to get healed. That's why Jesus looked at the man. They lowered through the roof, and he said, sir, your sins are forgiven. The man came for healing, but Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because that man thought, and the devil had convinced him, that his sins has the reason he was laying on that cot. Your sins cannot stop God from healing you. Because he's already what? Removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. He has, he has removed the sin of the world. 
your sins can't stop. God's not going to heal you because you've been a good person. None of us have been good enough to be healed. By his stripes, you're healed. And so walk it out. Do what you couldn't do. If you had a withered hand, you couldn't stretch it, stretch it. If you couldn't move something, move something. I don't know how long it's going to take you sometimes for the manifestation of the fullness of that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. What matters to God is you. Amen? I love those things like happened to Mary Lee. I love that. And, I, you know, and, and the bad thing about it, you do one of them, people want you to do that every Sunday. I wish I could. But if I tell you what, if I did, they wouldn't be nowhere for you to sit because you come too late. Come on now, place be packed. I'm believing for greater days of healing, demonstrations of God's redemptive grace, God's redemptive power. Amen? I mean, I'm, I'm believing for that. Amen. You're healed. I didn't say that. God did. By his stripes, you were healed. Stop looking forward to your healing. Start looking back to your healing. And just say, I'm healed. Say it if you don't even feel it. I'm healed. Thank you, Lord. I'm healed. I'm healed. In Jesus' name. All right. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. We love you guys. God bless you.